is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. I am back, your fourth choice host with the most, uh, even getting love for the fourth choice option, which is awesome recently. Uh, joined yet again uh, by my partners in crime, Abdullah and Jesse, to uh, answer a little bit of mailbag. You know, the team's on a dumb international break right now after just two FAWSL matches. It just is the buzzkill that you didn't know that you needed in your life. Um, and so we're going to answer some mailbag questions, get into the team, get into the tactics a little bit, and then we're going to preview a, a pretty big game against Manchester United coming up next weekend. Uh, so lots going on here. Uh, there is a huge amount of international news to cover, though, so it's probably where we're going to start. But just a quick shout out, just a quick one uh, from Wolfsis, uh, probably the best fourth choice host in the world to me. How about that? Fourth Nick, choice. I've got a question. This comes from someone with no profile picture. Is this just your alt on Twitter? <laughs> you you found you found my burner account. Damn it. Okay. Well, it was fun while it lasted. I'll create a new one next week for for more self compliments. Uh, that's what I need. That is right. That is right. Yeah. So look. Um, You'll, you'll know it's me because the the avatar will have some sort of mustache in it. So just be aware for all future <laughs> burner accounts that that's going to happen. Uh, but look, guys, uh, we are in this kind of weird and, in my opinion, dumb international break. But there has been some some pretty cool action happening so far. Uh, I guess I'll pass it to you, Jesse. John Anderson helping uh, keep a clean sheet for uh, for her beloved country. Yeah. Yeah, we've had we've had lots of lots of uh, appearances from from everyone. Jonna and Magda, obviously clean sheets at Sweden. Millie yep. Bright with a clean sheet for England, and then a host of goals and assists. Um, goals for Peniel Harder, Beth England, GC Young, Aaron Cuthbert, and then assists for Guru. Beth got an assist as well as two goals. Sophie Ingle and Anique Nawa. I've been calling her Anique Nuven, but I actually watched the Dutch commentary on this, and they call her Anique. Now, so there, there we go. That's what I learned over this international break. You can correct me if I'm wrong. There doesn't appear to be an A or an R at the end of that name, which makes it very difficult for me to understand the Dutch. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, it's been a pretty comprehensive uh, international break, as you just covered. Uh, the one that we have to touch on, though, guys, is, is Pernilla. She becomes Denmark's all-time top scorer, male or female, with 66 total goals. Abdullah, uh, you've been uh, parading around, uh, deploying marching bands to uh, sing the praises uh, of Pernilla Harder. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you go get stuck in on this one? Yeah, I mean, I've got the parade lined up uh, for, for tomorrow morning, so I think, I think we'll, we'll get that running for Monday morning. But no, she's, uh, she's, she's, she's been fantastic. I mean, definitely one of the goats already, um, without a doubt. Uh, you know, are really up there, just scores goals for fun. Uh, and you see how important she is for, for our country. I mean, they, they've produced, Denmark have produced some good players, not in a deem to name name one of them. But, you know, Penilla Hada is just up there. And I think, you know, any chance that they're going to have on an international stage, it's if Penilla's not playing, their chance plummets by tenfold. So she's, she's amazing. I'm, and I'm hoping that she can replicate this goal scoring form uh, for, for Chelsea come, come this season. I mean, Jesse, male or female, there's been a lot of players that have played for Denmark over the years. And to, 
you know, I think to, to be not, she's not at the end of her career right now. I mean, this is a person kind of in their prime. Uh, it's pretty impressive, right? Yeah, it's super impressive. And I think the funny thing as well with Denmark is they obviously missed out on the 2019 World Cup because they basically threw a match because of this disagreement with their the FA. So you've also got this feeling like they reached the, the final of the 2017 Euros. Um, so there's this feeling that, you know, she's missed out on opportunities on the biggest stage. She's still amassed 66 goals to become the, the all-time top scorer. And yeah, as, as you say, Nick, there's still so much more to go. And I, I think... You know, Denmark will be a, a really interesting package when we when we get to the Euros next year, just because they've kind of drifted off the international stage as a result of missing that World Cup. And yeah, she's she's a great player to have in your team for sure. Yeah, I mean, missing what could have been an additional four or five, six super competitive matches. I mean, you just don't know, right, where where her tally would be otherwise. But uh, pretty convincing that she is now Denmark's all-time leading scorer in international play. So congratulations to her, obviously. And um, if she could put in 66 for Chelsea just this year, that would be tremendous. So no pressure, obviously. Uh, but just just go ahead and put in the, the double six there. Uh, another one that we have to absolutely pay tribute to is Chelsea's Ji Soo-yeon, uh, who has been unbelievable for South Korea. She is now South Korea's all-time top scorer, male or female, with 59 goals. Incredible achievement. I mean, maybe even more so, uh, Jesse, because she's she's not just an out-and-out goal scorer. I mean, she's so creative, so influential in the midfield, plays as a 10, plays as an 8, can play up top. I mean, she has played every conceivable forward position for Chelsea over the years has kind of found her home in the midfield recently but just talk about this wonderful player yeah her, her versatility is amazing and you know I think I've been guilty over the years of, of thinking oh maybe this is kind of it for G you know she's been at the club for such a long time really one of Chelsea's big standout signings when when we were almost at the start of this journey and you know she's she's really like the face of South Korean football in in many ways you know um she does loads of stuff there with their players union and yeah she she's a great goal scorer as well and it is easy to forget because of, because of where she plays and, and another player who's you know maybe missed out on playing at the, the very top of international football um you know by nature of the club again South Korea just missed out on going to the Olympics this year because they they lost to China in a, in a really close match but to still score all these goals you know it's impressive and and when you look at um you know Panila, Jiso Yan to, to have them in in this Chelsea side you just feel like so lucky and then you think about when we talk about that stat where Chelsea like always score because you know Sam Kerr she's Australia's all-time women's top scorer she got that in the Olympics and I think she's only a couple of Tim Cahill's records mm -hmm. so I reckon you know in, in a couple I think they play Ireland this week so you know who knows this week we could see Sam Sam do it too and it's just crazy to have them all playing in one team uh, it's also just incredible that you you have then Fran Kirby just out there as well uh, who's who's no slouch uh, from from an international standpoint but maybe not quite up there uh, with those the amount of goals but I mean that just these absurd talent here is crazy uh, you did want to call out Abdullah a standout performance from Nawa, right? Right? Are we getting that right? Um, I think that's it. Yeah. No, right, well. no. It's just gonna. It's gonna take some getting used to, just because I'm, really, I'm gonna like yeah. look at like Nick, like I'm gonna look at it and go, yeah, Anik Nowen, and it's like, no, I, I bet I bet this entire time the Dutch fans have been berating us through the screens, going, you're pronouncing it wrong. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> what are you doing? But we're What's gonna wrong with you guys. Okay. <laughs> 
have some of that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll try and figure it out. No, I think I think she's uh, she's had a good standout uh, international break. I think um, her performances for the Netherlands have generally been good. Even at the Olympics, she had a few you know a few good moments, a few good glimpses uh, that we were seeing. And you know, I think it goes to show that when she gets a run of games and when she gets a little bit of rhythm going she gets into that rhythm and she can actually start playing well. And I think if she were to get that at Chelsea, hopefully maybe she does get an opportunity at some point soon. I just hope it's not one game and if she has a, an okay game, she drops out. I think I think she's a player that needs two, three games on the trot to be able to really show what she's like. So hopefully we get to see that. Absolutely. And then a final piece of good news from this absurd international break. Uh, we have a video of Marin Mielda with the ball at her feet again. Um, she, look, we don't know when she's going to be back. Uh, you know, her, her ACL was only six or five months ago, I think something like that. So it's probably a bit too soon. These are typically, you know, at least in, in major American sports, these are typically like six to nine month injury recovery periods. So we're probably a little ways off of her returning, but the fact that we're seeing this, Jesse, that, that we're seeing her kind of get back. Uh, so quickly uh, with the ball at her feet, it has to be a positive sign for the team, right? Yeah, definitely. I think she actually said on Instagram it was six months today, I believe. So yeah, she's she seems like you know she's doing well. She's obviously like really progressed through all the the stages, kind of from running in the pool to running on grass, and yeah, to to see her, you know, with the ball at her feet again. I've got to say, her touch looked pretty good still. I tell you what, if I hadn't played football for that long, I'd be ballooning balls everywhere. Maybe just for the edit, they made it they made it look good. But she looked like she was still in pretty decent shape for someone who who hadn't touched a ball for, for six months. So fingers crossed we'll, uh, we'll get her back soon. Yeah, I mean, oftentimes with these injuries, it's, you know, the, the repair can be intact and, and it could be really solid. It's just building the muscle back up around it that that requires some time and so that's oftentimes you, you see a lot of fans get frustrated that like oh you know she's back she's running around it's like eh, it's not that easy like you have to really build back up to full fitness and trust it and then there's a lot of sports psychology on top of that too right can i trust it am i gonna get hurt again you know you see oftentimes there are players who come back a little too soon who you know don't necessarily trust themselves even though they have the desire to go back out it's clear that they don't necessarily trust so i i think let's give her some time let's make sure that she's fully fit and then when she comes back let's see her continue to do marin Mielda things how about that that sounds pretty good um okay cool we're gonna branch into the mailbag right after a quick quick commercial break thank you to these sponsors uh for supporting the show and we will be right back all right, we're going to get into the mailbag part and just thank you to the uh, to the Chelsea community on Twitter, on Instagram, on our Discord server. You guys are the best. You asked some really thoughtful questions about this excellent, excellent Chelsea women's team. And so we're going to start off with, uh, with a couple around ambition uh, around the Chelsea women's team. The first one, Abdullah, is coming right to you. What, what do you think that this team can achieve this season? We touched on this a little bit in the season preview, although after having seen a couple of games, has your mind changed? You know, I think it comes... I don't think it's completely changed in the sense that I think I like the change that's happened in the sense of Emma's gone, all right, I'm going to switch to a back three. Obviously, because I wanted it for the last few months, I thought this is the best way forward. But I think it's... The one thing that everything was everyone was calling for was that okay, there's a little bit of predict predictability. Last season, where you're playing the same system, the same team, everyone's the same, everything's the same. So eventually, someone was going to figure it out, and then 
stop the team. And Barcelona happened to just do that, you know. And whether you know whether they were lucky with the first goal or two or whatever it is, it can be said. But they figured out a way and they stifled Chelsea and they won four nil. And I'm glad to see that there's been a complete change. And in that thing, new while it is going to take some time to get used to. Um, I don't see the uh, so-called uh, lesser game, uh, weaker teams being a problem. I think that'll be fine. I think Chelsea will beat them. Like they beat Everton four 0 I think they'll continue doing that. It's 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 it'll all come down to whether they can beat the big teams with this system and and, and actually come out on top in, in in those games. I still think they can. I still think they can make the latter stages of the Champions League and and they'll be fighting for the title at, at the end of the day. And considering. City's calamitous week the other week, you know, getting out of the Champions League to Real Madrid and then losing to Spurs, albeit in in contentious circumstances. It, it goes to show that this anybody can be lose. You can gain points and lose points at any point of the season. So right now, while Arsenal look like the team in front in form, they could drop points to somebody else, and then suddenly Chelsea are in front, suddenly City are in front. So. I still think they can fight for the title and I still think they can get to the Atlanta States of the Champions League, but it depends on how quickly they can adapt to this new system and whether, if it doesn't work, does Emma change back to the tried and tested and how quickly she does that. So that's, that's what it is for me. Well, and a quick follow to that, Jesse, is uh, uh, we got it from Mosey Me. What is the next step in the Champions League journey for Chelsea after defeating the final last year? Is there is there one thing that you're pinpointing to say this is what we need to do to to win the whole thing yeah i actually think the group stage is going to be really good for this you know i think the opportunity to play a side like wolfsburg twice Mm -hmm. you know obviously we'll want to top the group um but i think we can probably feel fairly confident about getting out the group at the very least you know i expect juventus again will be like a interesting and good side for us to play but I'm not too worried because we don't tend to have problems with Joe Montemuro teams. Um, but I think that's a great opportunity for Chelsea to to look at solving some of these problems against higher quality opposition in a slightly more relaxed environment. You know, in the WSL, we see how important those games against Arsenal and City are. But this Champions League group stage kind of gives you an opportunity to get into the rhythm against these different styles of play. Because we do see that across Europe as well. You know, like these teams play differently to how Arsenal City might play. So I think that's going to be really, really helpful for Chelsea as a side. Ultimately, though, you know, you always need a hefty dose of luck in the Champions League, I think, to to lift the thing. But, you know, that experience, I think, of getting there, I think I've spoken to before about how how psychologically important it felt for Chelsea to get there and maybe that was why they kind of ran out of steam so I think even reaching the final will have added a lot to Chelsea when when it comes to looking at winning the thing yeah couldn't couldn't agree more there I think it's it's just reps at this stage at the at the highest of highest levels that's what we need um all right so we're going to move into a little bit of transfer talk we know the window is now closed and the Chelsea uh have, have done you know a, a bit of business, but maybe not as much as we anticipated. Uh, Simon Oxlade asks, Abdullah, even though we're a top team already, what type of player should we be targeting in the next transfer window? And I think he's probably looking at next summer, frankly, not, not January, uh, to put us up another notch. I still think um, it also, I think, it, and I'm putting a caveat to this, I still think a fullback is is necessary on the on the right side, just because if Marin Mielda is not back to her absolute best, and there's a little bit of doubt on whether she can get to that form or not after such a big injury, I still think the team is short a quality fullback in terms of even, even whether it's left or right, someone who can play both sides. But just 
to add that extra little bit of competition, but also to kind of be like, all right, we have a top-notch fullback. Because like, like, it's it's the one area of the team you look at and you go, do we really have the best quality fullbacks in this area? Like, you can look at centre-back. You've got Ericsson, Bright, Noon, and, you know, all that. you got goalkeeper, you've got Ann Katrenberger, Kali Telford, Msovic. You, you look at midfield, G, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, even up front. But fullback's the one place where you're like, you know, would would these fullbacks make it in any other top European side? Probably not. They probably have better fullbacks. So I would say that's still the one place I would go and look at. Uh, right again, depending on Marin Mielda's, uh return to form, but even then, I would still probably look to go and find one uh, and bring bring her in. All right, and and I think maybe even a tweak to that is if they persist with the with the three four three or some combination thereof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we looking at wingbacks, right? Uh, you know, proper trained wingbacks you know for a specialist system that's an interesting question as well uh jesse we got one from abdul squared 10 what are your expectations for the new signing as well as the new season i mean i, th- I think maybe if if we've talked wingbacks and fullbacks can you look at another position where chelsea might need to strengthen yeah i mean i i think the the other position probably has been at, at center back and you know i know there's this something we might come on to later but i feel like Millie and Magda have been fantastic together for a long period of time, but both of them are getting towards their late 20s. You know, we, we've seen from Thiago Silva today, in fact, that, you know, age really can be a number for elite centre-backs, but also it's something that you, you want to have the the players coming through who, if anything does happen, is, is going to be able to have that back up. And something we really struggled with last season was when Magda picked up an injury, we just kind of totally went to pieces because she just anchors anchors that defense so obviously we brought Anikin I think she's really talented player and someone I'm really excited to see get game time but I think you know perhaps whether we're looking next summer maybe depending on how Anik kicks on I think I would still be interested in seeing us bring in maybe a more established centre-back who who is in the more like 24 to 26 age category um, just to perhaps look at how we start to pass that that centre-back partnership on thinking about that for the future, you know. Gotcha. Um, forever young for the all these centre-backs, I think, is, is what we're <laughs> hoping for. Um, it parlays into a question from one Brandon Busby. Uh, never heard of this man before. Seems... Seems kind of uh, interesting as a, as a human being. Uh, how many years does G or do do G Millie Telford Melda Ingle? Like I think this parlays into your thoughts here, Jesse. So I'm going to pass it right back to you. It, some of the squad is aging. There's just no doubt about that, right? And so, are we going to see a couple more years? Are we going to see a gradual phase in, phase out of new talent into this team? Do you think, or are we kind of reaching a critical inflection point? I've got to be honest. How many years does G have left? Sounds quite threatening. <laughs> it's just written down. Like Play, that. I think we're, we mean playing. Obviously, she's going to live <laughs> forever, but uh, playing at the highest level for Chelsea. How about that? Yeah. Look, I think you know. There's a couple of different things here. You know, Brandon's mentioned Carly Telford. She signed a contract which was basically like moving half of her playing time over to coaching anyway. We brought in Musovic. She's obviously there to kind of back up mm-hmm. and capture Berger and probably to eventually replace Berger. So I think goalkeeping, we've kind of got sewn up. G, as I said earlier, is someone who I've thought is we're going to phase out of the midfield for, I probably thought that last season and this season, but she's had a great... Start to the year, I feel like this system suits her a lot more than the kind of diamond we were playing 
last year. I think it allows her to move forward into that number 10 space, which she's traditionally been her best in. Penelope Harder's kind of out on the inside left space, so there's room there for, for G to do what she does. But, you know, again, I, I do think, you know, Jesse Fleming, Aaron Cuthbert, there are players there who are probably ready to be replaced. I do feel like Millie and Maron, you know, as we've kind of touched on, there may be issues where, you know, it feels like stuff started to be thought about, but we're not all the way there yet. You know, Emma obviously rates Neve Charles really highly. I think she said she thought Neve Charles could be as good as Lucy Bronze, which is an insanely high bar to set a right back, but we've not really actually seen that yet. Um, ditto with Millie. I think Millie's got, you know, longer than, than some of these players. She's, she's still like late twenties as opposed mm -hmm. to early thirties. Um, but you know, that's obviously what Anik's come in to do. So I don't know, you know, I feel like gradual I, phase a little bit. Is yeah. What I feel like I write these players off more than Emma does. And you know, like <laughs> classic example is Drew Spence. Like I, I'm always like, how does Drew Spence get minutes? But when she comes on and she does the dirty work for those last 10 minutes of the game, you're like, yes, thank God we've got Drew Spence. So, you know, I think, yeah, gradual phasing is definitely, definitely the word for it. You know, Emma will keep these players around for experience. Well, we're going to pivot to the midfield here because I think there's a lot of questions, you know, right, rightfully so. We, we've talked a little bit about this on our previous pods. But first two questions are from Jose and Janique. Uh, how highly do you rate uh, Jesse Fleming? And do you think she can make it into the team this season? Um, I, I think I think there's a cry out from Janique for more consistent minutes, uh, as as we've heard from both of you this year. So I guess Abdullah, in in your mind, what's her best position? And if you were to maybe approximate her minutes this season, how does that look for you right now? I think well on on the on the rating part, I think she's hugely rated. I think she's probably one of the top three prospects in the world right now, like hands down. Like we saw Canada, she's a gold medalist. Forgot to, I mean, I guess that's already insane at the at the age that she is. Um, so that's one thing. And if she's running Canada's midfield, there's nothing to say that she can't start, you know, run Chelsea's midfield in the future. I think um, I think central or def I think she can play in any of the midfield spots, in meaning attacking midfield, central midfield, or even defensive midfield. And there, obviously, there's different ways of playing her there, but I think her skill set overall to me can translate across all three. And I think depending on how you play, it can it can translate effectively. Now, for me, in terms of how many minutes she should get, well, I think if I'm not wrong, she had about 495 minutes last season, which is not much, uh, all things considered. I think if she can double that, get a thousand plus minutes this season, because I think she's shown it. I think the Olympics proved it. Her her few minutes of performance against GM against Arsenal, she had a good performance. And every time she comes on, even if she comes on for two minutes, five minutes, three minutes, we see a difference in the way Chelsea play. We see a difference in and almost like an improvement. And there's like a the tempo goes up. There's this, this clean passing of the ball. The progression is 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 a lot quicker. It's you know almost like a Kovacic esque you know like progression in terms of like the way she dribbles the ball. It's super quick back to front. So I think I think there will be a lot more scope and a lot more room for a player like her in midfield this season because I think coming up against you know especially like 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 Jesse was saying I think in the in the Champions League group stages someone like Juventus would be a great test for her just to kind of see where she's at at club level throw her into a group stage against, against Juventus and see how she is over there and if she comes through those you know you know, eight out of ten, or or anything around that, 
then I don't I don't think it's it will be too much to say, all right, go up against a Man City, go up against, you know, maybe a PSG or a Leon. So I think I think there is time there is scope for her to get at least a thousand plus minutes and, and really really cement a place in this midfield because if she does, then Emma's got a, a task in her hand. Do you play G, Leupels, Engel, Fleming? All four of them become extremely viable candidates in that midfield. Good problem to have though. So Good problem to have indeed. I'm going to read this because Ghana Gazina has has made an incredible um, paragraph statement, <laughs> and I and I think he points out some things that Jesse, I want you to to kind of noodle on here. Um, so his point is like Abdullah, we have a lot of very good mid, mid, midfielders, but they all have their weaknesses. Ingle kind of lacks mobility. Jalen's play very well, but isn't the best defensively. Although being one of our best players so far this year for sure. Uh, Abula's just touched on Fleming's uh, qualities. Spence is solid all around, but not great at anything. Cuthbert is tenacious and creative, but unknown in this type of double six setup. Uh, Millie Lupuls is probably the most balanced midfielder, but she's been in poor form, uh, as he says, to you know, basically since the end of last year. What does this coaching staff and Emma need to do to unlock the best, most balanced midfield? And then on top of that, because uh, of, of Abdullah's good problem to have, how do you justify leaving out the ones who you don't select? I mean, this is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let Abdullah answer the second one, but I want you to talk about the midfield and how it's constructed right now, Jesse. Yeah, I think, you know, the midfield is something that we've, it feels like we've really seen a bit of a shift in this season. And I think that's also changed the way we can kind of like analyze who's got selected for it and who hasn't so you know for example I feel like the diamond last year really didn't suit a player like G and you know it's been touched on in that you know she isn't the best defensively um but it feels like when she's playing in a two she's got a bit more you know there's more protection behind her she's got more license to go forward so I think she really works well in it um and I agree I think in my ideal world I would pair her with Lou Poltz but she hasn't had the best start to the season and I think it makes sense that we've kind of seen Ingle come in um when it comes to Jessie Fleming I would really like to see her nail down a slot in this midfield but I think she's actually the player who loses out from this switch from the diamond to the two because the way G is playing it makes sense to have her as like the more creative attacking force and then someone who is a bit more defensive as that second uh, midfielder whereas in the diamond you could kind of see her as one of those like free eights um the problem I think Jessie has is that, you know, she's still a bit of an unknown when it comes to really regular football. She came to Chelsea from college. She was at UCLA. She's been doing serious bits for Canada since she was 15. But, you know, even at the Olympics, she played amazingly. But lots of what she was doing was kind of shielding Canada from the onslaught they got from everyone else and then having ice in her veins to take penalties. It doesn't necessarily translate to club football in that way and I think that's what Emma is still waiting to see from her I think we will get there but I think she's just recognizing that maybe that's a bit of a longer process than it seems from when you watch her international displays um I would also say that I would maybe like to see Cuthbert have a go in that G role like she is just so tenacious as as that person said like it's the perfect word to describe her and she also offers a lot going forward creatively as well, you know, like just the way she like hits the ball is like, I love watching her strike the ball. And I think she's really underrated the way she does that. Plus she offers a lot defensively. So I think we're probably going to see Ingle slash Lou Poltz alongside G, at least for the start of this season. But maybe that 
G-roll as time goes on, whether it's Fleming or Cuthbert, I think that's where we might start to see the change happen. Yeah, Abdullah, I'll, I'll pass it to you here. Um, you've talked about loopholes before and, and how she, you know, just to start this year and maybe at the end of last year has not been on her on her best game. Is she at risk for being left out consistently? As of the intermediate future, I would say yes. Just because, like we've said, like she just has not had the best start of, of, of the season. And it's just kind of been a weird sort of like, you know, like I, I, I think Emma wants to play her as a first choice because, like we've said, she brings the most balance. But if you're not informed and you're losing out, then it's, it's a problem and you have to get dropped, you know, and you have to be replaced. And I think that's one thing that probably... I, I like what Emma's doing this time is is, is as much as I, it sucks that she's dropped because I think she's the most balanced. If she's seeing somebody not performing over two, three games and say, all right, poor form, sit out for a few games, bring somebody else in. I think that at least that keeps it keeps it fresh and everybody can keep coming in and playing. Um, and just kind of kind of in terms of that, I, I, I kind of want to I agree with um, with Jesse in that I think. Erin Cuthbert in one of the two midfield roles because I think she can do both. I think she can do either or. I think she can be the creative one and with her creativity and I think she can be tenacious because I think she's probably one of the only people in midfield who can actually go in and really put in a mean tackle and really be aggressive and really push and really press people. Is there a problem maybe in terms of discipline possibly maybe getting a few yellow cards? Possibly that could happen just because you're doing it more often. But I, I definitely feel like there is a scope to play her there. And and. Leupold, I think, gets dropped now, but I think, assuming she gets back into form, I think she nails on one of those spots. I don't, I don't see her being dropped because, again, of the, what we've talked about, and that second spot, I think, then really, that really then frees you to test out that second spot. Whether you play Fleming there, whether you play G there, whether you play Ingle, whoever you want to play out of the other three, I think then that gives Emma a chance to kind of rotate and see, okay, who fits my system best, and maybe there's a specific player for a specific type of opponent that I can play who that works perfectly for and i think then that's maybe a way to justify to the players that get left out saying listen i'm leaving you out for this game because for me this person's skill set suits the opposition that we're playing and in the next game because then at least then all three of them know to some extent that okay cool i'm not playing this game because one two three four reason or you know two three four reasons so i, I would say that's kind of how you have to justify it but um in terms of a long-term who who's it going to be i think it's loypoles plus one i mean one one thing i'd say here is every player in a squad is droppable everyone uh, i mean maybe messi isn't but I, I don't know name another i mean mason mount got pulled to halftime in the in the chelsea spurs game on sunday right and he's a player that has consistently played the most minutes for chelsea over the last two seasons so uh, you know, it, it happens to every player. They go through tough patches, and you know, you just expect them as professionals to respond and get back to their best, and that's all you can really ask, and that's what I'm sure Emma is asking uh, at, at the current time. We're going to continue tactics talk here. And the couch, Ty Moreland, Adi Joseph, all coming in with really great questions. The one I'm going to highlight here is what player is everyone looking forward to most in, in continuing their development this year? So maybe someone who isn't at the top of their game, but but that they want you know to really push forward this season. I'll, I'll start with Jesse. I think someone who's maybe been overlooked is Neve Charles, because mm. I think she had some really, really great moments. And I think people's wish to get fullbacks in have maybe like covered up some of 
some of what she did really well. You know, she did struggle at points, but that's understandable. She's she's really young. Um, she's been playing in a position that isn't her natural position, but Emma clearly believes that she has the ability to play, whether it's at fullback or wingback long term. And, you know, I think she's someone who, in England, there's always been a lot of excitement around. And, you know, Chelsea, I think, did really well to pick her up. She got a lot of minutes last season, perhaps when people didn't expect her to. Um, you know, I think people worried that she'd kind of come into the club and, and not really get a chance to play. And kind of, you know, through Marami Elder's misfortune, she got the opportunity to play in the Champions League final, which is amazing for a player's development. And I think I would just... I think if she can kick on, she becomes your fullback solution, you know, if, if Hayes is right and what Hayes thinks she sees is, is generally genuinely true. Um, so I think that's someone I'd, I'd really like to see continue to get game time this year. For me, I think it's, um, I think, I think it's, uh, we've said it so many times, but I think Jesse Fleming, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what she does in this midfield. I'm excited to see kind of just because of her, the bags of ability that she has and the potential that she has. I just want to see her when she goes in and she gets maybe two games or three games of 90 minutes and really plays in a, in some games. I want to see what kind of an effect that she can have uh, against against teams, even in, in, especially in the fact that Chelsea like keeping possession. So I want to see her in a possession, you know, possession heavy game. What does she do with the ball? How does she break down teams? And, you know, how, what does she learn from that? How does she take it to the next game and the next game after that? And I think for me, that's one of the more exciting things just because she's, again, like I said, for me, top two, three talents of the year right now in terms of potential. So, yeah, that would be my pick. Uh, I'll I'll take Aaron Cuthbert then. Uh, e- easy one for me. I I think she's already been really good so far this year. But I, I think to our earlier points on previous podcasts, just nailing down a consistent role for her, I think will help her explode onto the scene and really become one of those indispensable type players for Chelsea. Um, you know, it, it's awesome to be a utility player. You can play anywhere, but I think when she really gets slotted into a role, uh, she'll make it her own. So. I will go there. Uh, a question for Mati Joseph, and, and I think this is the this is an interesting one that that you probably already thought about. Let's let's take Chelsea versus Man City, Chelsea versus Arsenal, Chelsea versus Barcelona, really top teams, right? On the left, you currently have options between John Anderson and Gro Uh What are your thoughts in those in those types of matchups uh, in this current system? Who, who would you prefer and, and what does that kind of look like for you? And then I'll start with Jesse. Okay, I'm going to throw something totally wild out there. But <laughs> I think, okay, this is kind of ignoring like in this system. But something that I would maybe be interested in seeing is something Sweden did at the Olympics, which was to play Magda as their left back. Um, I feel like if Anik Nauer was to really take that step up, against the very best teams who are really going to go at you, say, down their right wing, we know, like, how good Magda is at, at like, 1v1s and stuff like that. I'd be really intrigued to to see us revert to a back four and, and put her in there as that, like, more defensive option. You know, she's not going to be, like, getting forward loads with the ball, but given that Chelsea have just been <laughs> ripped to shreds massively down that side specifically over the over last season... um. That would be like my pick, I think, maybe as as having a left footed player there. 
I think otherwise, if the back three really gets settled, then I'd probably still look to to Guru because I think if you if you really you know if you feel like she can genuinely play at a wing back and offer you enough defensively, I would take what she offers you going forward. You know, whereas I feel like there are so many questions around Jonna defensively. I don't see the point in in having her as the wing back necessarily if you think she's going to get bypassed anyway. Just take Guru's attacking stuff and, and run with it. But yeah, as I say, I'd be intrigued to see Magda at left back for Chelsea. Okay, interesting wild card. Abdullah, what are your thoughts? You know, weirdly enough, I was on a similar train of thought in terms of uh, in terms of having Guru right and on left because for me, okay. in terms of, and I'm t- and I'm talking in terms of the back three. Now, Jesse put it in terms of a back four. What I'm saying is. When you're playing Magda Eriksson, you're sort of left-sided centre-back, and I know we touched upon it um, earlier in, in a previous pod. I think if you're playing her at left centre-back, you inherently are telling your left wing-back, go forward. Like, you offer something defensively, but you go forward and you do your stuff there because you've got someone who's positionally good and can cover that left side. And while for Sweden, she plays left-back in a back four, but in the back three, she also kind of plays on that side. And the whole point of playing there was when Jana's playing on the left side, it's to kind of... I'd kind of talk to her and get her position correct and kind of cover her deficiencies defensively. So if you're going to do that for Anderson, then you might as well do it for Guru Wrighton, who may, who who's probably better going forward. I mean, we saw the cross for Sam Kerr uh, last week against Everton. That was that was a brilliant cross. If we can get more of that uh, from Guru Wrighton, and you have someone like who like Magda who's really good defensively, he's not really going to go forward and can cover that left back and left side of center back position. Then for me, then yeah, you play Guru right and then you really let her let her loose. And I guess the only question mark will come in against the the the, the top teams. Do, you know, will they be able to take advantage of the space that's left in behind? And can Magda cover that a lot? But then in, in that sense, you're gonna have to tell Guru, look, you need to sit back a little bit more, protect Magda, play you can play with her, and really hit them on the counter attack. And she's got the pace and the dribbling ability to be able to do that. But I think she can be trained in this left wing back position. And the more I'm seeing her there, the more I'm kind of liking it, um, especially in a back seat, the more I'm liking Guru right in that left wing back. She gives me strong Marcus Alonso vibes, you know, yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. left wing backs who can't really defend, but like can put a ridiculous cross in. Sometimes that's worth it. You know, if you believe in your back three, believe in your back three. That's she the runs whole point. down the wing for me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole point, right? The um, whole point of playing a back three is to let your wing backs loose and really let them get you know become more of attacking force than they are in a back four so if you are going to do this back three and you're playing whether it's Jess Carter or Neem Charles at right back and Guru right in the left back you just let at least against teams that you can you let them go and you do it and against Everton we saw the fruits of, of letting Guru right and really just move forward I mean we, we actually talked to uh, Dan and, and Joe recorded the the Tinkerman podcast uh, a couple weeks ago and they talked about when playing a back three you don't need seven players in defense <laughs> I, like, and, and oftentimes you know Chelsea have been up against really top competition on the men's side and so they, they've really been a little bit more conservative but I think this this women's team has so much offensive potential that you don't need to sit all wing backs and midfield behind the ball and just let the front three do their thing like you need to have more connection there and so it's an interesting thought exercise for sure that I that I um, we'll just see over the next couple of weeks how, how they kind of evolve. Uh, it's a brand new system. They're only three games into playing it. So um, a, a more to come on that one. Uh, a quick question uh, from Sushil. Uh, Lauren James update. Haven't seen her on a match day squad or anything. Uh, I think Emma kind of covered off on this, and I'll, I'll take this one really quickly. Uh, she's uh, kind of going through some of the growing pains of, of joining a big club and I think is – 
is probably a little ways off uh, right now from from being a part of uh, part of the squad on a match day. But uh, obviously, we hope that she kind of gets settled uh, as quickly as humanly possible and, and is able to be featured because we do have some games coming up where. Uh, you know, potentially, actually, she could rotate in and and be another option there, and that would be really intriguing. Yeah, I'm really excited to see her play. I think you know the club are taking the right attitude. We saw last season at United, she just got no consistent game time because she was being rushed back. You know, United had a whole host of injury problems across their squad, and I think that was part of it. And it seems like she's just kind of had something recurring that Chelsea are just. You know, especially when you've got younger players, just keen to sort out, make sure they're back to full fitness. Chelsea don't need her to play, you know, right now with the attacking talent they've got. So so why risk aggravating something long term? But yeah, when when she's ready and, you know, when she's back to full fitness, we probably haven't seen her play at full fitness last season because of, you know, how in and out she was and, and the injury she was carrying. So I think it's going to be really exciting when she, when she does come through. Injury rules apply to everyone, it turns out. So <laughs> don't rush back, get healthy, and then we'll see you. Uh, a, a quick question um, from from Santa15XO. Do you prefer club or country football? Okay, interesting. Abdullah, go. Um, I want to say club football because I love the Champions League too much to to not say club football. I think it's just every time we get into it, I mean, obviously now we're seeing it in the group stages, but when these top teams, it's almost as if we, in the on the men's side, we it almost feels like we see top teams play against each other very regularly, almost on a weekly basis, or, you know, every second week. But in women's football, it doesn't seem like that. It almost seems few and far between. So when you get to a Champions League quarterfinal, semifinal, round of sixteen-ish, you know, thing, you you really get to see like, okay, they've been they've been playing this entire season against these lesser teams to for these you know for these games, and I think that's the most intriguing thing for me. So club football for me. Yeah, for me, club football hands down. You know, like I I always enjoy country football more than I think I'm gonna but you know as someone who's an England fan it's only really just started getting good so you know uh Nick I'm intrigued because you know I've never I always see U.S. women's national team as like the real enemy um so like are you really like hot on them yeah I mean my my love of football started internationally um you know with with World Cup so I, I do love that tournament I think there is something really really special about a World Cup and it's why I hope they don't go to the every two year model, frankly, because I think it would ruin that this the kind of special essence that it carries. I obviously watch more club football than I do international football. And I think after you watch club football for a long enough period of time, you realize just how much higher the level is than international football. And so if you're a purist on that, I, I could see club football all the way. Uh, you know, international football is a, is a fun place to be, although not recently for the for the U.S. men's team. But, uh, yeah, our, our women's team has been has been really good for a long time. So I'm kind of split, honestly, because I, I love both. They're really different atmospheres and watching over here, too. Um, so kind of get a little bit of, of both. Uh, so I'll, I'll split the difference there. Um, a question from Eric, uh, quick shot CFC, who is clearly trying to troll me uh, on this you know, a person that I know and love. Why are y'all so handsome? Well, Eric, I see you trying to butter me up. I see it. Okay, just just send me the text. We'll get you in with a real question. But thank you for the enormous compliment uh, that you've paid to to everyone on here. Appreciate that. All right, we're gonna get into our last couple here, and and these are from Discord, so we gotta pay special mention. Mike from Rhode Island, assuming everyone is healthy and ready to go. 
everyone in the entire squad. No injuries. Everyone's at 100% energy on FIFA. Uh, what's the ideal starting 11 uh, that Emma can field? Abdullah, go. Okay, I'm just going to go straight to it. No explanations. I'm just going to name a starting 11. So I think Anne Katrenberger and goal. Girl right in the left wing back. Uh, I think Eriksson, Nuven, and Bright as your centre backs. I think you get Marin Mielda at right wing back. You then play Leupold and uh, Fleming in midfield. Then I would go with the front three of Harder, Kerr, and, and, and Kirby. Ooh, all right. Jesse? Uh, I'm going to agree, but I'm if we're playing this back three, if we're playing this system, I'm going to go Neve Charles at right wing back rather than Mara Mielda. I just want to see more dyna- dynamism, you know, going forward. And I'm having Lauren James as my first sub. Ooh, ooh, okay. Interesting. How about this? Let me throw a little something different at you guys. Maybe a little uh, maybe a little switch up in the back three. I'm putting Mielda in the Espilicueta role in the back three on the right side. Mm, and then I'm playing uh, Cuthbert on the right wing because, again, I don't think you need to defend with that many players in this Chelsea team. I think you want them getting forward. I think you want them scoring goals. And so I, I think that would be my change up. I mean, it's hard to argue with the front three, obviously, and kind of where the midfield's going. But I think that would be something that I would be intrigued by, especially um, just having Mielda's experience back there uh, to be able to cut out that those right side threats, I think that would be really intriguing for me. I like yeah, it. I think that's a great shot. I like it. I like it. All right. And then the last one, uh, we're getting into kind of the, the, the preseason predictions and how we're feeling right now. Uh, with Techie Tiger saying the FAWSL is about to take another kind of jump to another level in the title race with so many competitive teams. What key fixture should we keep an eye out as a barometer uh, to decide for the for the title contenders? Uh, Abdullah, I mean, you, you mentioned it. City had a rough week, right? Chelsea had a rough week to start the season. Arsenal are inevitably going to Arsenal. Um, what, what, you know, what should we be looking for outside of the, you know, kind of the top three fixtures that we know are going to be difficult? Well, we could have said Everton, but Everton aren't helping our cause here. So, you know, someone's ruining the party for all of us. So, you know, at this point, maybe, maybe Tottenham get lucky again and they do the same thing against Arsenal. And then, you know, we, we have another like, oh, no, handball. But is it really a handball? But it's actually not. A, it's a handball. So, um it's tough because I mean you're looking at you, you look at the teams you know Brighton's had a good start to the season um, you know uh, uh, you know Manchester United I think Manchester United have probably got to be the ones now right I mean Mark Skinner's had a good start to the season Everton have just not done anything for two weeks so I would say the United game outside of Arsenal Manchester City like we said I think United are probably the ones that that might be the banana skin peel that you know other teams trip on and you know concede the title to their rivals right you have you have Mario Luigi and Bowser on the on the Mario Kart track and and all of a sudden Donkey Kong <laughs> boom just a little banana skin there I guess uh, let, let's get into the preview because that's who Chelsea play next right I mean this is Again, a very difficult start to the season for the for the club. Although, if, if you can navigate this game effectively, it, it kind of uh, goes a little bit lighter uh, after this. So, uh, this is the match coming up on Sunday, the 26th of September. Uh, it's at 6.30 in the morning, my time in the central time uh, zone in the U.S., 12.30 in, in the U.K. Uh, look, th- this is up at United Jesse, this is a place where you have have uh, been effusive in your praise of their support in the past. 
Um, you know, there are some former Chelsea players and Maria Thoris daughter, Hannah Blundell, Jackie Gronin. They're, they're all likely to start for United. Right. Um, so this is, it's going to be tough. And maybe you can talk about the atmosphere a little bit that Chelsea are going to roll into. Yeah, this is probably going to be the tastiest away game we have this season. I'm going to say just based off how amazing the United support are, like fair play to them. If my club had waited until th- two, three years ago to create a women's team, I'd be pissed off. But they've somehow got over it and, and credit to them. They they support them really well. Um, but yeah, all the all the Chelsea interest there as well. Lots of you know, former players who, who've only left recently. And of course, we took Lauren James off their hands this summer as well, which adds adds a nice spice to it. And, you know, it'll be an interesting one. We drew 1-1 there uh, last season on the opening day, which led to, you know, similar concerns about how Sam Kerr would never score any goals. Um, for Chelsea, that's aged well. Um <laughs> And, and you know, that we were too defensively open and, you know, Leo Goldson scored a late equaliser. So it'll be a good test, I think. This is quite a different United side um, from the one we played last season. You know, Casey Stoney has been replaced by Mark Skinner. They've had a, a lot of turnover in their squad, but they've looked really good so far at the start of the season. But, you know, I think Chelsea have to win this. It, you know, having lost to Arsenal, there's like really no room for error across the whole season, but it's especially this early on, you know. Um, and I think it it's going to be tricky. It's frustrating the international break has come when it has because, you know, the Everton win was a great boost. And then you've got everyone, and I mean literally everyone. I'm pretty sure it's just Marin, Jesse, and, like, Drew Spence kicking around uh, at Cobham. <laughs> Emma Hayes is, like, doing commentary for the England game, so that's how little she has to do at the moment on Tuesday. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough one, I think, to, to come straight back into it. Um, but, yeah, must win, really. Yeah, it's, a, it's a tough look, Abdullah, when you have a tumbleweed rolling across the pitch at Cobham because there's no one there <laughs> to do the to do any of the work on the field. And it, it, it does, you know, I think for Chelsea, right, having more players away than United will have during this break means that Chelsea have a harder task. Not only is this game on the road, and, and that is always going to be difficult, but, you know, you worry about fitness coming back from these damn international breaks. Yeah, I know. And, and we've seen how, you know, players pick up injuries and niggles once they come back. So then, you know, they, they play through it, you know, the last game of the international season. Suddenly they come back to club and, you know, the club do an assessment like, yeah, actually can't play. You have to rest this. Otherwise it's going to get worse. So then you never know whether you're going to get your starting 11 or whether you're going to have to make three, four changes or one or two changes. So I think um, once they get back into Cobham and they start kicking in later this week, then I think, uh, uh, or rather next week for you guys, it's already a new week for me. Um, you know, it's, 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 I think that will really determine who, you know, who comes in. And I think it's going to affect both squads because obviously we've seen Ella Toon go to for England duty as well, you know, uh, people like that. So it's tough. It's, it's, it, and it's in, like we've always, you know, we've always seen it, right? The game right after the national break is always the one where you're likely to slip up because you lose the momentum, you lose the kind of everything you talked about. And then suddenly you've gone from, all right, I'm playing with one set of players and I'm suddenly back with another set of players. And it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, you, you're four or five of the players are the same or three of the players are the same. It's just it's a completely different environment. So here's it's again this 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 game then becomes even more important than what it previously you know could have been so yeah well and and united are off to a pretty good start uh, in the league so far obviously uh six points they they beat reading two nil and they beat 
uh, Leicester 3-1 on the road uh, at, at the last uh, game before the international break. Uh, Abdullah, do you want to roll through some of the stats here that you put into the script and kind of shape up what is likely to be a KG affair uh, away? Yeah, so I mean, their stats are for United are like pretty pretty good. I mean, so so they've had an XG overall of like one point five two, which is which is pretty good for you know first first three four games of the season. And the, weirdly enough, they had them more away from home than had them at home. So they've got two point two seven at home. Uh, sorry, away from home and 0.76 at home. So almost going to United is a good thing because they just don't seem to be able to create goal score, good goal scoring opportunities. Uh, well, as good. Um, you know, they've averaged two and a half goals uh, a game. Uh, they've conceded 0.5. So they've been actually very, very good defensively. And I think that's going to mm-hmm. be a real test for this front three to come up against. While United may have not played the strongest of opposition, it's still going to be a tough sell when you've got experienced players and obviously two ex-Chelsea players and Thor Stoddard and, and Hannah Blundell who've, you know, really started well this season. Um, they've had, you know, 50% clean sheets, 100% at home. So again, that's, that's, that's a big thing. They've scored in every game that they've played. Uh, they've had an average of 63% possession, which I think will obviously, I think that will go down this season. So mm-hmm. actually that's going to be, for me, that's a very interesting stat because it, to me, it says, United want the ball and they want to play with the ball and they want to be able to attack and really impose themselves on this game. But against Chelsea now, do we see them revert and say, okay, maybe we need to take a step back and let them have the ball? Or do they still again try and play toe to toe with Chelsea and say, okay, we're going to, we're going to go in there. We're going to try and take the ball and go from there. Now they've taken about 24 shots per game, which is, you know, which is crazy. It's a lot of shots. Um, their shot conversion rate is, is 10% overall, but 13% at home compared to the nine away. So obviously they're better at home. It's, it's weird. They're, they can convert shots better, but then they, they, they have a lower XG than they have away. But then they've scored. They had 33 shots at Leicester. I mean, that's crazy. That I mean, that, that's Chelsea territory and uh, without, the, oh, without the front and three fouls, to back it up. Right? They've, they've just committed seven fouls per game. They've had nine against them. They, you know, they've had, they've not, they've won zero and two penalties overall, and they've conceded zero and two. So, you know, overall, it seems like in some stats, they're good at better at home, and especially defensively, they're better at home. So I think that's the key thing. It's It might just come down to attack versus defense, and who can come out on top. I like our I like our odds there for sure. Uh, just a quick reminder of the table because you know we we have to go there. Just as we all predicted, uh, Brighton and Hove Albion at the top of the table at the beginning of the season uh, with a seven goal differential. They're not screwing around right now. I mean they're they're doing the business. Uh, Arsenal are right behind them with a five goal diff. Uh, United on four and Tottenham uh, on two goals. So that's your top four right there. Uh, just as we all predicted, Tottenham beating City somehow or for reasons that we can't uh, understand. Uh, Villa in fifth, uh, City in sixth, Chelsea in seventh. Uh, so that's kind of your 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 table look right now. So Chelsea do have a huge opportunity here, Jesse, uh, to to make a, a statement, right, and to climb up the table a little bit. And I guess I wanted to get your thoughts on, on really what we can expect from City outside of the stats that Abdullah uh, just went through. You know, you've, you've talked about El Atun a little bit, so maybe let's start there. Yeah, so the big thing Mark Skinner's done uh, differently from Casey Stoney is that he's been playing El Atun as a false nine. Um, I initially thought maybe this was kind of just for convenience. You know, United... Obviously, had Kristen Press to play as their nine last year. They 
don't have her anymore. Um, and Alessia Russo and Martha Thomas kind of either haven't been fit or have been bedding in. But it seems like he's really into it and it, it's been working, I'd say, reasonably well for them so far. I think they maybe at points have struggled to get her on the ball or to make for another player to make those runs in front of her if she has dropped deeper to get the ball. But there's no doubting that she's like an incredible player, very, very creative. And I think she will be a handful for this Chelsea side because, you know, it's it's always tricky when, when you've got a player who's dropping deep. Do you get one of your centre-backs to go for her? Do you expect one of your midfielders to pick her up? So I'm sure that's something that Emma will have been looking at this week, trying to figure out what to do. Um, the other thing that's been quite interesting as well is how high Onabatia has been pushed up the pitch, um, kind of from her left-back position. I think that's something that Chelsea will feel like they can exploit but I think also it's a bit of a concern um she can she's a really exciting attacking player uh and she'll be playing basically behind Leah Galton who's also very very good and I think this will be a, a really tough test for this back three we saw how easy Arsenal found it to exploit by having Beth Mead or Miedemar drift out you know into those spaces between our wide center backs and the wing backs and that's something that Leah Golden on Abatia will be really able to well they'll be looking to do whether they're able to do it is is obviously something that Chelsea will, will have to figure out but you know picking up Ella Toon and dealing with the the possible overload combo of Batia and Golden would be the two things that I'd pick out as something Chelsea will really have to watch out for okay well let's let's talk about one player and you probably uh, already mentioned this player, Jesse, that, that you're looking for to cause Chelsea, you know, some potential issues, to be fair. I think it's always, you know, fair fair play to look at that. Um, who is your player that United have that, that might cause us a couple of problems? Yeah, for me, it's Leah Golton. You know, she she got that equalizer last year. I think she's a, a fantastic player. She's, she's so good going forward. You know, she's great at making runs into the box from that left wing position, and she can really, like, do you with her dribbling as well. I just think seeing how you know Chelsea did struggle against Arsenal with those wide players she'll probably be feeling pretty good about playing in that space it'll be interesting to see you know obviously if we stick with that switch we saw before the international break to put Carter in the middle and Bright on that right hand side up against Galton that'll be really interesting to see you know how she potentially deals with that also because it's going to be you know, this is where the Elatoon thing, I think, becomes quite interesting because actually what Chelsea have really struggled with is players kind of going round and pulling balls back into the box, you know, kind of heading towards the byline, especially in those Champions League games last season. But with Elatoon as the nine, you'd expect those players, those wide players, Leah Golton will be probably be Kirsty Hansen on the other side, to be running into the box, which is obviously where our centre-backs are going to be. So it's going to be interesting to see what Mark Skinner thinks about doing about that because logically I would be looking to push Leah Golton for those one-on-one situations with Millie Bright. But yeah, she's a fantastic player and definitely one to watch. For me, I think it's Onabati. I think she's had a, a really good start to the season. I think she's been pushed up a lot higher than she was last season. And I think she's almost playing like this inverted fullback role, but almost like an extra auxiliary winger where she, you know, we've seen her in, in the box. We've we've seen her score a fantastic goal from outside the box early in the season. The season. I mean, that's that was probably the, the, the icing on the cake. So for me, I think, and it kind of just kind of going to Jesse's point with maybe on one side, they're, they're, they're getting Leah Galton to go into 1v1s. I think on the other side, you could get an Onabatia and you can get her to cut inside and take that space between the fullback and centre-back, kind of what Arsenal did with Beth Mead and kind of how Jess Carter got... Um, 
got floored by by Miedema, I think there's a potential to do that on, on that side. So basically then Chelsea have to figure out, well, okay, on one side we're being taken up on the inside, on the other side we're being taken up on the outside. So then that's where I think maybe United could have some joy and kind of trying to explain one or the other spaces, whether it's out wide in the 1v1 or whether it's in, you know, in the interior channels, uh, you know, between, and, and she's quick and she's got a decent cross on her and a decent pass on her. So, um, you know, maybe this is where, uh, this is where, you know, maybe Neem Charles comes back in just to kind of get her pace in there to kind of deal with Onabatier. Um, so I'd be intrigued to see, but for me, I think she's, she's, she's been, a, she's had a really good start to the season. I'll go tune just because I think the back three until it's like well drilled and there's muscle memory in the, in the system. I think there's always going to be the threat from a really good striker. And so I'll, I'll take the easy way out on that one. Um, are there any lineup changes just to close this out? Um, are there, are there any lineup changes for you, Abdullah, that could happen, uh, given the international break and players coming back and fitness and all that kind of stuff? I think if everybody's healthy and fit, I actually think we see a similar team to the one against Everton because you almost like they won four nil. How is in some sense, how do you justify dropping anybody from that game for this game? Right. So I don't anticipate anything unless there's an injury. So I would say it's the same team as Everton unless there's an injury. Same for you, Jesse. Yeah, I mean, Frank Herbie's maybe the doubt. She didn't make the England squad on, on Friday. Um, Serena Wigman said that basically they were monitoring her load. So it's not entirely clear what's happened there. Obviously, there'll be a game on Tuesday that she, she might get a chance to, to play in. So that, that would be my one question mark of someone who might not be fully fit. Um, but, you know, yeah, the other thing is is whether the hashtag justice for Jesse, that's the hashtag <laughs> I'm, I'm coining, uh, movement, whether, you know, Fleming having been back at, at Cobham helps her get in nods but the problem is is probably because everyone else has been away you've not drilled her with anyone else so i don't really see what what benefit she gets other than being fresher but that's the only change that would maybe be interesting to see does if if there is a doubt for kirby is is cuthbert the solution that you'd put back in there um up up top or is there a different player that you'd be looking at yeah i guess it, you've got to look at cuthbert or, or charles right because the problem is is cuthbert played at a right wing back so if you are going to push her up you need then someone to to come in there um yeah that that would be an interesting one because Cuthbert looked really good at right wing back and I, I wonder if we'd see Charles play ahead of her rather than see mm. her push up just because it felt like Cuthbert was a lot more reliable in that position and I think as I say with United's main threats coming down the left Emma probably won't want to risk that fair play okay Abdullah any final thoughts before we go into the weekend uh no I think I think I'm just excited for club football to be back next week so <laughs> that's really, really much the only thing yeah these these international breaks can seem like forever in a day but uh look Chelsea women are back on Sunday uh 12 30 UK time 6 30 my time in the morning on Sunday, so bright and early. Uh, we thank you for all of the questions. We thank you for for your uh, just incredible support of this team. The the movement's growing, and we're really happy to see that. So, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do: keep the blue flag flying high. 